everyone. Welcome back to Din and Daf. I'm Alana Steinhain, and this is where we conceptualize halakha on the basis of a case study from the Daf that week. So this week, we are privileged to start a new parak in Babakama, the 10th parak, Hagozel Umachil. And the very first sugya in Hagozel Umachil talks about Yeyush. Now, Yeyush is something that has incredible emotional resonance right now. It means despair. And I would say that a lot of us are feeling despair or close to despair. And one of the things that I hope is that um, in the merit of learning about Yeyush in a financial sense, which in within halacha, we will gain some resilience in a spiritual sense, Be'ezrat Hashem, and we will see uh, better and brighter days and hear Basarot to vote. So our opening sugya in the 10th parak on Kufir al-Famid Bet is talking about the following scenario. I am somebody who had something stolen from me. And maybe it was stolen in a place that is such a busy thoroughfare and the object is so nondescript that I just never expect to get it back. Or maybe it's just been out of my hands for so long, I just don't really expect for it to return. So I experience an actual halakhic status called yesh of I despair from getting it back. And the question is, in halacha, what is the impact of yesh on my relationship as the owner with the object? And the reason why I think this is an interesting question is because it speaks to our relationship with our possessions as being not just about whether something is on my property not just whether something is legally in my portfolio, but also what is my psychological, mental, emotional attachment to it? Do I still think of it as mine? Do I still think of it as something that I'm going to see, something that I'm going to get? And that's really the question of Yage. And I would say the idea that my ownership might become attenuated over an object that was stolen from me because I have Yeyush, it's actually a pretty bold idea, right? You know, the idea of Yeyush actually comes from Aveda. It comes from the world of lost objects. And God willing, when we're learning Baba Metziah, we'll get to learn about Aveda and Yeyush in that context. But in that context, I understand it a little bit better. Meaning, I lost something. I don't think I'm ever getting it back. Somebody who picks it up, they don't have to come find me and give it back to me. I've already kind of made my peace with it. Now, there's also something called Yeyush Midat, but we're not going to deal with that right now. God willing, we'll get to it, right? But in a case of Gezel, in a case where somebody stole from me, should the fact that I despair from getting it back relinquish any of my rights to it, any of my ownership to it? It's kind of a big question. And I think today what we're going to see is that there is a look, there is a possibility that there are those who think, yes, that it actually does in some way relinquish your rights to the object to the extent that the Gazlanites or the Gazlan, when they're paying back, they don't have to actually return the object. Even though the Torah says, they have to return the actual Gazal that they stole, right? And yet, if we say that Yeyosh like, gives them some ownership over it, they only have to return money. They don't have to return the original object. That's not how we paskin, but it is interesting to see it uh, theoretically, uh, see it held actually by some um, in the Gemara, and we're going to see it in a minute. But even if we 
say that yeush does not effectuate like my loss of the object in a serious way, or really more the kinyan of the object by the person who stole it again, so that they'd have to pay me money back and not the object itself. They never have a kinyan on it, so they never have to pay me anything. That's that would be way too far, right? But even if yeush is not fully kona on its own, does it do anything? Does it change my the nature of my relationship? to the object at all. And that's something that we're going to see. So there's somewhat of a spectrum. So I'm going to start by taking us back to um, a Gemara that you learned earlier in your um, learning of Bavakama on Samach Vav Amad Aleph, uh, which actually starts by taking for granted that Yeyosh is Konet, that Yeyosh, even in a case of Gzela, can actually give someone ownership over an object, right? But it doesn't end that way, but that is the way that it starts. So let's take a look. Oh, this is way too small. I can't do this. It's too small. All right. We're going to do what we can here. Yeyush, right? Despairing from getting an object back. The rabbis think that it is konat, meaning it does effectuate a kinyan for the gazlanites or for the gazlan to the effect that they do not have to give you the object back. They can just give you the monetary equivalent. But we do not know whether it effectuates this kinyan on a biblical level or on a rabbinic level. What do we mean? If it effectuates a kinyan on a biblical level, it means it's following the same pattern as the way we use yeyush when it comes to lost property. Namely, when somebody finds an Aveda, somebody finds a lost object, isn't it the case that when somebody finds a lost object, if the owner of that object has had yeyush from hoping to get it back, right, before the finder gets it, don't we say that the finder, you know, finders keepers in that kind of thing, right? If I find a dollar bill that has no distinguishing marks, in the middle of Penn Station, in the middle of, you know, Navon Station in Yerushalayim, I'm not going to return it to anybody. It's it's mine, right? So that's an example where Yeosh is clearly Kona, right? So therefore, maybe Hainami, maybe in the case of a Gazlan, also came into Mara as soon once the original owner has Yeosh from getting it back, kind of like the Gazlan or the Gazlanit has acquired it, meaning they'll only have to pay back money and they won't have to give the object back. Oh, Makani, it seems like that's a Kenyan. That would mean that it effectuates Kenyan de Oreta. Odilma, or maybe Lodamia la Veda, maybe it should be compared to a case of lost property. Because Aveda, who dechi ateliade, in case of an Aveda, in the case of a lost object, the finder didn't do anything wrong, right? It came to the finder's hand through complete hectare, through complete uh, permissible action. About high, but this case with a gazelle situation, Kevin to be Isurata because it comes to their hand through Isser, through stealing, then how could you say that it effectuates a Kenyan Dereita? Come on. But maybe it effectuates a Kenyan Derabanan, me Derabanan, who rabbinically it should effectuate a Kenyan. Why? The rabbis would say it should effectuate a Kenyan. Why? for the purpose of getting people to be willing to do tshuva and admit that they stole things. Meaning, imagine the scenario. Somebody steals, they've had something for five years, 
the original owner has, you know, never expects to get it back. And then somebody's willing to admit, I stole. We say, okay, now you have to give the object back. And they're like, but I've lived with this object for five years and I really want to keep it. Da, 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 da. Nobody's ever going to admit it if you're going to make them give the object back. But if you say to them, give the monetary equivalent and you can keep the object, that's something else. Maybe they will be willing to admit that they stole, right? So that's a second option. And then Rav Yosef gives a third option. Rav Yosef says, come on, don't be ridiculous. Rav Yosef, Omar, yeyush eno kone, afilu, afilu. No, yeyush on its own does not effectuate Kenyan. It does not give you the gazlan or the gazlanit a Kenyan on this object, even rabbinically, no way. And it seems like the Rambam Paskins this way and the Shulchan Aruch Paskins this way. And for good reason. Come on, the Torah says, they have to return the object that they stole. We don't want to be giving Kinyanim to Gazlanim just because the people experienced a, a sense that they're never going to get something back, right? However, we should note parenthetically that Yeosh plus Shinoi Rishut, for example, meaning Yeosh plus, you know, the thief giving the object to a third party, that actually does create a kinyan for that third party. And yeyosh plus shinu Hashem, meaning yeyosh plus a situation where the object is no longer called by its original name, like let's say a calf turned into a cow over time, right? That does create a kinyan, right? So yeyosh alone, this is a conversation about yeyosh alone. But Yeish plus something else does actually create a Kenyan, which is interesting to think about, and it will come into play later. But suffice it to say, the position of Yeosh is not Kone on its own is a very um, reasonable position, and is a position that um, the Gemara continues to take if you continue in that sugya over there and debate back and forth. But let's assume that let's assume that's the position. Yeosh is not Kona. If that's the position, then why do you read the following at the beginning of the 10th parak in Bavakam? Okay, Kofiyot Aleph Amabet, which is a sugya that you saw this week. The Mishnah says, someone who steals and feeds what they stole to their children. Okay? or leaves it as an inheritance. We are really bracketing that example. That is for a different time if we ever get to it, but not for today. But the first example, a parent who stole food and gave it to their child to eat or children to eat, those children do not have to pay the original ballot. Those children who ate it are not considered thieves. Interesting. Then the Gemara says, okay, but if it's something, if it was an object that had a lien on it, maybe that's something else. Not getting into it right now. But the Gemara is trying to figure out why is it that this third party that ate is not considered a thief, right? This is theft, meaning the item was stolen. And so the Gemara starts like this. Amar Rav Chista. Rav Chista says, a different case. 
Let's say someone stole, right? Person A stole. And the Balim, the original owners, have not had Yesh. Okay? By the way, Mishnah said nothing about Yesh. The Gemara is bringing in Yesh, right? There's been no Yesh. And a third party, person B, came and ate the, 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 the uh, stolen item. The Balim can say, hey, person A, I want to pay, I want you to pay me back for the Gzela, or they can go to person B. Both person B and person A are considered Gazlanim, right? Now notice this is before Yeush. No Yeush has happened yet. So this owner, the Balin, are still hoping to get their stuff back. Both person A who stole it. The person B who ate it, Gazlanim. My time, a why? So long as the Balim did not have Yeush, that they think they're never going to get it back, it is considered as though the object is in its owner's possession. Which means when you eat it without permission, even though you're eating it in a thief's house, you're a Gazlan too, right? It's as though it's still sitting in the kitchen of the original owner. Now the Gemara says, wait, 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 wait. Are you sure if you're a third party and you eat, they can collect from you? Didn't the Mishnah say something else? It's not. What about the Mishnah? Person A steals and feeds it to people B, their child. Or left it as inheritance. Bracket, please. Persons B don't have to pay. Rav Chista just said, person B does have to pay the person who ate it. Or the Balim can ask them to pay. Here you're saying, Persons B do not have to pay the people who just ate it. So you have to the Rav Chista. It seems like you're undermining Rav Chista. Amr lecha Rav Chista. Rav Chista would say, no, 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 no. Kitanyad hahi l'achar yeish. The Mishnah is talking about a case of post yeish. So let's get this straight. If the owners, the Balim, had yeish, and then the thief, person A, fed the food to person B, then of course, person B is putter, because it's after Yeush. But if it was before Yeush, then it's as though person B, by eating, is stealing from the Bali. Now, this is interesting because I got to tell you, we don't actually think that Rafhista thinks Yeush is Kona. And yet, it seems to be that Yeush does make some sort of difference, right? If a third party eats a stolen food, after there's been Yeush, that third party is not considered the Ganav or the Goslem. Only person A is. So what exactly does Yeush effectuate here? If it doesn't effectuate a full Kinyan on the part of the Goslem, but it does seem to effectuate some sense that person B is not no longer stealing from the Baal, right? So that's what we want to think about today. We want to ask ourselves, even if Yeush itself is not Konan, even if Yeush itself does not give the Goslin more of a hold on the object so that the Goslin only has to pay back money and doesn't have to give back the object itself. And yet, Yeush still may do something to 
attenuate the owner's connection to the object to the extent that a third party who would eat the uh, um, stolen object after Yeush is not considered a goslin, right? So it doesn't go as far as allowing the goslin to be kona it and only have to pay money, but it does go as far as making someone who eats it as a third party not considered a goslin. So there's something going on there. And we want to understand what that something is, right? Because really what we're looking at here is not an on-off switch of is, is uh, Yeosh Konet or not, but more of a spectrum. It's clearly not Konet all the way, but it does do something. And let's see what that something is. Or let's see what the explanation of that something is. So the Or Samer, living in the 19th century and early 20th, in his explanation where the Rambam brings down this halacha, that a third party who eats after Yeush is not considered Gazlanim, he's trying to understand, like, why? Yeush is not Konan. Why? Why should Yeush make a difference? We say that it's, like, Ilu, it's still in the Rashut of the Balim, and therefore everyone's a Gazlan here. Person A is a Gazlan, the person who ate it, person B is a Gazlan, right? So he comes up with a really interesting suggestion. And I was very excited about the suggestion because it's actually references a Gemara that I'm like about to learn in Chulin in a few dafim. So I was like excited about that. So he says, Maybe the reason is that after Yeosh, if somebody eats it, meaning a, a third party, they don't have to pay is because dahave kimamon sheinlo tovin. Maybe the object becomes like possessions that have no claimants, no one to claim them. Dahamazik putter. Someone who um someone who damages possessions that have no one to claim them is exempt from pay. Ukemosha amru gabe matnot kuhuna, right? Like we say regarding the gifts that are given to Kohanim. So let's take a zoom out for a second. The Gemarin Hulin on Kuflamanam bed talks about a case where somebody, some knave, has been stealing matnot kuhuna and eating them for a long time, right? Now, obviously, we can't be talking about a churma. We can't be talking about things that they're not allowed to eat. But they've been... The question is, well, can they be brought to court to compensate? Not really, because no Kohen can say, that's my matnot kuhuna. The people who, or those are my matnot kuhuna, those are my priestly gifts, because the people who gave them can say, actually, I wanted to give them to someone else, right? No single Kohen has a lock on any given matana for Kohan, because the owners get to choose who to give it to. So that, those matnot kuhuna become mamon she'en lahem tovin. It's money that has no particular claimant. There's no one who can claim this is mine. And therefore, you can't force the Gazlan 
to compensate. Kind of wild. And so the Orsameach is trying to use this for our case of Yeush. He's saying, well, maybe once a person despairs of getting something back, they're clearly no longer a claimant, right? Because they're not claiming it anymore. And maybe that makes it like Mammon that has no claimants. Here, not because necessarily, I mean, maybe it's because it's trying to say like no one owns it. It also might be trying to say because nobody is actively claiming it, right? So he says, Kain haha, likewise here, Levater Yeush Dahabalim, right? After the despair of the owners, Kvar Nityaish Vinafik Mirashut Mare. It's maybe it has left the Rashut of its owner. And it's like uh, possessions that have no claimants, right? Again, it's not kone, the Gazlan's not kone to the effect that they don't have to pay, they, they don't have to give the object back. But it has left the reshut of the owner to the extent that that third party who eats it is not considered a Gazlan. So that's one way to look at it, right? It's sort of, it's, the, the lack of claiming anymore is significant. Tosvot have a slightly different way of looking at it. And Tosvot say, actually, we think that the issue with Yeyush is something different. Well, not that they're reacting to the Orsameach, that would be impossible um, timeline wise. But Umisvara Mechalek Ravchista ben Lifne Yeyush ben Lacher Yeyush. Rav Chista distinguishes between prior to Yeush and after Yeush. It's, it's, it's not that it's no longer at all in the Rishut of the original owner, but it's less in the Rishut of the original owner after Yeush than it was before Yeush. Why? In what sense? Because now it's a little bit easier to actually fully remove it from the possession of the Balim, because if you have Yeyush already, and then you have Shinoi Rishut, meaning it's given to another person as a gift or sold, sold to them, or you have Yeyush and then you have Shinoi Hashem, the calf grew up to be a cow, then those two things together, Yeyush plus Shinoi Rishut, or Yeyush plus Shinoi Hashem, does actually make it a, a, a Kenyan for the Gazlam. And the Gazlan doesn't have to give the object back. You just have to give money, right? So the point is by having Yeyush, it's true that it hasn't completely left the Rishut of the owner, but it's gotten a little closer because all it need, you need is one more step to effectuate a Kenyan for the Gazlan, right? So it's kind of interesting Tosfa do something a little different here, right? It's sort of like thinking about it as being in a process, right? Yeyush starts a certain process. Whereas for the Orsameach, Yeyush you know, does really make it leave the Rishut of the Balim, even if it's not fully in the Rishut of the Gazla, right? But it's still not in the Rishut of the Balim, right? So it's kind of interesting. What you have on the bottom with the Rambam is actually an example where the Rambam does think that rabbinically, Shinui, um, that rabbinically, Yeyush actually can be kone certain things in certain moments, not the object itself, but a higher valuation, but you can look at it on your own time. Suffice it to say, what we have seen here is we have seen an example where 
you know, it's one thing to say that Yeosh could be completely Kone and you can let the Goslem keep an object and just pay back money. That we are not willing to do in Geza, Lahalacha. However, we do recognize that there are certain, there's a certain attenuation that happens when a person does experience Yeush, that either her Tosvot makes it easier to eventually give the Kinyan to the Gazlan by having also Shinui Rishut or by also having Shinui Hashem, or it just makes this object per the Orsameach something that nobody is being Tovea or Tovat, somebody that nobody is claiming, right? And I do think that despite the fact that we don't say that Yeyush is Kona on its own, recognizing that Yeyush does something, it does tell us something about the relationship between people and their stuff. Now, I would be remiss, I would be really remiss if I didn't connect this back to our situation today because I can't uh, look at this sugya of Yeosh without thinking about the hostages um, who are still held by Hamas. And I can't think about it because I recognize that this idea of mamon she'en lo tov'in, possessions, or in this case, human beings, who have nobody who are trying to claim them, they get lost. They become lost. And uh, there's no one, there, there's no one to claim him and no one gives them back. And I really do hope that um, we continue to claim them, that we continue to claim them and that Bezrat Hashem, uh, we see those claims actually come to fruition. In the meantime, I hope that you have a little bit of a window into Yeyush when it comes to Gezel. And I hope that God willing, we will learn about Yeyush when it comes to Aveda when we get there in Bav Metziah. Thanks everybody. Be well.